Before we begin, I feel compelled to welcome all of the new listeners who, I suspect, were looking for the Dan Lebetard show with Stu Gotts. Unfortunately, this is not that podcast. This is a podcast about that podcast. But thank you for making us a charting podcast on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your accidental support. If you want to hear from Dan, Stu, and the rest of the shipping container, please check out the Lebetard and Friends feed. If, however, you want to hear one fan's opinion about the general nonsense happening aboard our favorite pirate ship, stay right here because we've got you covered. <laughs> Welcome to the Fan Lebetard Show, episode number seven. I am your host, Ty, and we've got a great show lined up today. I had the pleasure of chatting with Lower Rangers Pam and Kish about what it was like receiving the COVID vaccine. And then we touch on a couple other topics before my Zoom timer ran out. My apologies to Pam for accidentally getting her on our artificial hard network out. My bad. Uh, I just want to give a quick reminder to everyone to please like, rate, review, and subscribe if you're enjoying the content we're putting out so far. And make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Lebitard underscore fan. And with that, let's get to Pam and Kish. know there is so much disinformation out there about the vaccine like there's so many uh so much misinformation on like social media there's scare tactics out there um i'm seeing a lot of news reports saying that you know frontline healthcare workers are pretty reluctant in some places not everywhere but in some places they're reluctant to get it because they're still concerned about long-term side effects and stuff like that and so I thought it would be really cool to have two people on who've actually received it to hopefully if there's any fence sitters out there who are in this community, who care about the Levitard show, hopefully value what you two have to say, that maybe that pushes some people over the edge into actually getting the shot. No, there's, so there's two kinds of people, right? Like, so there's people who are uh, like frontline workers, and I feel like the majority of those who are actually seeing COVID patients the majority of those are getting that because they see kind of the after effects of COVID and kind of the hardships. I think the majority of healthcare workers that are not getting it are the ones who actually haven't dealt with patients. Um, and I'm, I'm one of the, I, I don't deal with any patients. So I'm not a frontline worker. I was very lucky and um, to get it. Uh, but I work with people who interact with patients and work with immunocompromised patients. Like I do HIV research. So um that's kind of an issue and I'm kind of protecting them uh, secondhand. Yeah. And as, as for like side effects and stuff, like I always say that it seems any possible side effects uh, seem a lot better than whatever COVID actually is or the worst case scenario of COVID. Yeah. I, all I got was, you know, a little uh, shoulder pain of the day after and that was it. But um, you know, some people have like headaches and whatnot, but that's not, that's one day, you know, it's not that bad. And then yeah. the, onset of like allergic reactions that usually happens right away. And that's why they make you sit in a room for 15 minutes um, just to make sure you're okay. Yeah. I think it's pretty low risk and high reward. It just wasn't worth it for me to take the chance that I assumed that I would do okay if I got COVID because I'm fairly young and I am healthy and my kids are young and healthy, but there's just too much they don't understand about COVID and one of the things they don't understand is why some people who are seemingly young and healthy are unable to fight it off. 
And it's just not worth that risk to me. Um, I talked to a couple of days before, maybe a week before I was supposed to get my vaccine. I talked to one of the researchers who um, worked on the Pfizer uh, vaccine, who's a coworker of mine. And he said that he did not hesitate to take it. He had already taken it. Uh, He's already instructed the people in his life that as soon as they can get it, they need to get it. And I felt like I felt like I was close enough with him and that he's honest enough that if he thought I should be worried, he would have found a way to tell me. And he was like, no, you need to sign up. However you can get it, you need to sign up. So that's what I did. And like Kish, I had a little bit of shoulder pain. Mine was the same day. I took two ibuprofen, it knocked it out, and it never came back. So, like, that was it. It, For me, I actually had less of a reaction than I've had to any flu shot I've ever taken. So, I usually feel yucky for about 24 hours after a flu shot, and I felt nothing. So, I will be the first to admit I am not a science person. Um, I nearly flunked every science class I took in college. So I am a borderline idiot on this sort of thing. And I am talking to two people who are way smarter than I am, especially in this subject field. So like for, for people like me, for absolute morons who just are straight up ignorant about this vaccine, the process, stuff like that, I guess, can either of you share any more insight as to why there shouldn't be that fear necessarily from this? Well, one of the things was like, for example, of the, like some people question the efficacy, right? And I think it's a valid concern, except if you look at the data, I'm a data guy. And one of the things sort of like for, uh, I believe it's Moderna, the vaccine, there's 30,000 people, over 30,000 people who have received the vaccine and like 100,000 people who received placebo or something like that. If you look at the graph, they the, lines of people like so basically COVID rates over time right they're they're both going in a linear direction like a diagonal line right and um until day 13 after the vaccination that's when they start to diverge so instead of being like a diagonal a positive slope line for both the uh, control groups and the people who are vaccinated it turns into a flat line so after day 13 of those 30,000 people uh, day 13 post-vaccination, of those 30,000 people, only five actually got COVID. And it keeps decreasing after the second dose. And that's really when you actually have like more or less true immunity. Um, mm-hmm. So that by itself is like pretty impressive to me. Um, I like numbers though. But um, another thing is just to stress like the long-term effects that we don't really know about and how, again, I think Pam mentioned the healthy people who uh you know, who are seemingly healthy, like they always talk about these athletes, right? And that these people are way more in shape, healthy than I think any of us here and most people in the world. Um, and you hear these cases of myocarditis, which is, you know, when a viral infection makes your heart swell up. Mm-hmm. That sounds terrible. Um, and all this brain fog stuff, I know Bomani, he always talks about that and how scared he is. And a lot of us use our brains for work and, and that kind of makes us who we are. And I feel like brain fog will, could mess us up. Um, and it's one of the most valuable things I have in my life is my brain. Yeah, you mentioning the athletes and myocarditis and all of that. It reminds me of um, 
watching Miles Garrett ever since he's come back from his COVID diagnosis because it wasn't the last game. I think it was the one prior to that where after literally the first play of the game, I'm watching him. He's got his hands on his hips and he is just sucking air after snap Mm -hmm. one. And I'm like, this dude is a freak athlete and he doesn't look right at the very beginning of the game. And I think he's gone on record and kind of admitted as such as like, yeah, I'm still having the lingering effects of this. So you take your average layperson like like you or me, and to my knowledge, none of us here are freak athletes. So what could that potentially do to us? And down the road, we don't know, and we won't know for years. Does it will it affect your lung function five years from now, ten years from now, or your heart, or your like, you know, your brain? It possibly. Why take that risk? I just don't think the. I understand people who say, yeah, the yeah, buts, because they don't understand science and that, you know, well, the side effects could be, could be. They also don't understand, a lot of them don't understand that some of those side effects, those people were going to have those things anyway. Getting the vaccine did not cause, you know, side effects. Those side effects were already there. But drug companies have to list, you know, people who have a heart attack on XYZ drug. They may not have had a heart attack because they were taking this drug. They maybe were going to have a heart attack anyway, but also happened to be on this drug. But drug companies then are required to list that. Headaches, nausea, you know, anything that you get while you're on a drug, then a drug company has to list that as a possible side effect. So people who are afraid of some of the reported side effects of the COVID vaccine, well, you know, this person in the in the trial, this happened. Well, it may not have been related to them getting the vaccine. And, and I'm not sure everybody understands that. I mean, I, I'm one of those people who who doesn't understand that. Like I... For the longest time, until you just said this, I was not aware that that's why on all of these pharmaceutical ads, at the very end of all those commercials, it's, you may experience blah, 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 and just on and on and on. I'm like, my God, like, mm-hmm. is this thing even worth it if that's if that's what you can get from it? But hearing that possible, actually makes a lot of sense. It's possible one person, you know, had raging diarrhea after taking this drug. It might not have been because they were on that drug, but it has to be listed now. Once it happens in the trial, that it has to be listed as a as a possible side effect. Yeah, and basically, yeah, we take these drugs every day from ibuprofen and whatnot to whatever. You know, some people, some of us have prescription drugs that we have to take every day, and we don't really question those side effects um, that we hear mm-hmm. in commercials or that are listed. We don't really even look them up. But if you actually read them, yeah, they all sound scary. Um, but it, yeah, as, as Pam mentioned, um, one thing to do all again from like a data perspective or just like common sense really is all right are these side effects happening at the same rate as they would to any other person in the general population on average and for a lot of the scary things that people have been reporting there was some type of palsy or something that someone got after taking the vaccine um the the rates out of the huge amount of people who took the vaccine um and getting this random disease or whatever random side effect um are actually the same as general population. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's um, really anything to be alarmed of. The, I mean, the headaches and stuff like that, yeah, that's, that can happen. I know some people who have got headaches 
the day after. They also happen to be minorities, which is another issue um, about these vaccines and drugs in general that we're not testing on a wide enough group of people. Mm-hmm. But um, for the most part, like these are really transient and temporary um, side effects and aren't as bad again as the worst case scenario in COVID or, you know, even worse. I, I don't even think about myself as much to be honest as I do about my parents and what would be yeah. the worst case scenario for them. Yeah. If you spread it to them, you may have no symptoms and not even realize you have it, but you spread it to them. So it's just not worth it to me. Consider this as a, as a platform to just speak your knowledge because again you two are actual knowledgeable people you work in the industry um so again you're talking to me an idiot about all of this so if i'm your random skeptic on the street why in two i'm gonna call you experts why in two experts opinions should we feel good about this vaccine no i feel like we've already listed a a bunch of good things Uh, main thing is that it's just been tested so much um, and had to go through multiple phases. I only really skipped one phase and it, not even that wasn't really that much of an important. I don't think that it's important in general, but it was worth the risk. Um, and another reason why we were able to expedite it in nine months instead of two years, one, the money and two, that normally you have these phases happening like uh, consequently, like after one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they were working, they were running concurrently. So at the same time and that's why I was able to be like rushed and they weren't really any red flags. Um, also this type of vaccine has been around for a while. That's also why we've been able to develop it so quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's why it can be trusted. That's an interesting thing, Kish, because um, a lot of the stuff from the skeptics that I'm seeing is like, Oh, well this MRNA, it's never been used before. And my basic understanding is that that's not entirely true. Yeah. I can't list yeah. the entire, I'm not that much. Even, <laughs> I'm not that much of an immunologist or anything. Uh, but like, yeah, they've already developed this, uh, back when SARS in the early thousands, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's one variant of this, um, and MRNA in general is something that's been really studied and basically from like a high school bio perspective, relatively, it's just, you know, genetic coding that codes for proteins. So it's nothing like scary. It's not even actual like DNA or anything. It's just some genetic material that gets translated to make proteins. So your body's translating it and then recognizing those proteins and being like, that's not us. That's bad. <laughs> Is there a that's chance a... that mRNA vaccines are actually safer than uh, the traditional vaccines that we've been using? Um, I don't, again, I don't know enough about this, but. Uh, yeah, I'm smart enough to answer that or not educated enough to answer that. Nonsense. I believe in you too. You're smarter than me. You have to know these things. <laughs> There's a lot of people smarter than us too. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I'm the, probably the least smart person of my of my cohort in my office. I'm certainly the least smart. So, well, find the smarter people. Let's get them on the pod. Um, exactly. <laughs> we'll get them. We'll get them on. So another thing is, I work in an immunology lab, but I just joined and was not working in immunology before. I got hired as a data person, but they all seem really calm and they all got it. So they yeah. know a lot more and they study, you know, HIV and now they're studying COVID too, and they all seem pretty confident. We've also been studying some of the in lab, like people who got the vaccine in labs and we're seeing good like immune responses and stuff like that from their blood that we've been sampling. Yeah, so I think if they're confident, I'm confident. That's it works now well enough for me. That's how I felt about it. I mean, the pe- the people in our allergy and immunology lab were getting it. Um, our um, infectious diseases department got it first before it, well, 
the ED got it first and then the infectious diseases people got it next. And the people that worked on the development of the Pfizer vaccine in our lab went and got it. So if the people who are working on the drugs are taking them, why would I not? They know more about it than anybody. Why would I not listen to them? I haven't heard one of those like really smart people who know way more about this than I do um, actually, you know, criticize it. There are way more people agreeing with me that are actually studying these things and are actually, you know, reading more of these papers than I have. And they, they seem pretty confident. And from what I've looked at my own research, because I always recommend people to do their own research. Not on Facebook. Don't do your research on Facebook. That's not science. (laughs) But like to make sure and just look at it yourself and try to make sense of it. Because that way, you know, you're not just walking in blind. And I think that's important. I think anyone can understand these concepts, at least at a basic level. Pam, I don't know about not getting your news from Facebook because my <laughs> uncle's brother knows somebody who knows somebody whose mom is a doctor and they have studied COVID and they say this is all a hoax. You're telling me <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't get your news. Don't get your science. Don't get any of that from Facebook. Like, Read scientific journals for science or talk to your doctor. Like I always recommend if people have questions or they don't understand something, ask your own physician because that person is going to know your health background better than anybody. And they'll be, should be the best equipped to answer your questions about you. It's not going to be your neighbor or the girl at your office whose uncle is a doctor. Ask your own doctor. And you're literally paying them to take care of you. That's their entire job. That's why they got into that field. And especially like primary care docs, like they're not getting that because they're, you know, they're getting paid crazy money. They're getting it because they actually care about helping people. Agreed. Uh, They're the ones you should trust 100%. Well, I think that is about as good a place to end that topic as any. Um, Just listen to your doctor, folks. You've heard it from me, but more importantly, you've heard it from people smarter than me who actually know what they're talking about. So listen to your doctors if you have any questions about the COVID vaccine or health in general. Just talk to your doctors. They're good people. But I think we should move to a more fun topic tonight, and that is another injection, an injection of fun into an NFL broadcast. We have to talk about Nickelodeon partnering with the NFL. Did either of you see the broadcast of that game on Nickelodeon? Yeah, um, I I watched like half of the game uh, on Nickelodeon. And I remember I was talking to my roommate and um, I mentioned, I was like, I can't wait to see some slime. I just want to see slime all over the, the field. And finally, when I saw a touchdown, uh, I was a little bit sad to see that was virtual slime, but at least, you know, they had slime cannon <laughs> that made the, the kid in me really happy. So I was excited about that. Pam, did you I saw that? most of it. Yeah. And I loved it. I thought it was great. I love the explanations. Um, I thought that it really opened up the game to a much broader audience. Probably it explained things in a way that kids could understand or even adults who maybe don't watch football or or don't not really into sports would understand and it made it fun i loved it i think one of the most underrated things from that broadcast i just remembered as you were talking about uh explaining things to kids was actually some of the kids were really great and i think the best uh part of that night from one of the the kids who were on there 
was uh, that one who made the um, Barack Obama impersonation. That was fantastic. That was so on point. <laughs> right. And it made me crack crack up. And I was I was like, wow, these people actually have talent unlike me. Yeah. So that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was so funny watching him. Like he was very clearly riding a high from doing a very good Obama impersonation. And then yeah. the the juxtaposition of him post game talking to I can't remember which which uh, Saints player it was, but he's like, "Hey, so we got a bucket of slime here, and we were just wondering." And the Saints player was like, "No, no, no, you need to go talk to coach." And I don't know where he is. I don't know why y'all let him leave, but no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not getting slimed. And <laughs> to just watch that that reporter, or commentator, whatever you want to call him, just back away and just be like, "Okay, we're we're good here. I guess we're done. I guess we're done here." I would have loved to have been slimed. Like that was every kid's dream. Yeah, one hundred percent. Did they actually ended up uh, sliming the coach? Because I thought I saw like a picture of him getting ready to get slimed. But yeah, I there, already switched over. There's a video. Sean Payton got slimed, and he did it while wearing his what looked like fresh new Jordans. He kept them on during oh. the sliming. Oh no, he's probably got ten pair though. So what's one? At least he probably can get a new pair just for the advertising right there. Oh, yeah. From Michael himself, you know, he'll send them over. Maybe sign a pair. I would do it. But I'm also not Michael Jordan. So. <laughs> but yeah, have you guys actually seen the numbers that tuned in for, for this Nickelodeon game? Mm-mm. No. Uh, more than 2 million people tuned in and watched that game on Nickelodeon. Wow. Out of the, I think a total of like 30 million who watched that game in total. So that's a pretty big chunk. And I'm just curious, like, would you continue to watch games on Nickelodeon if this became more of a regular occurrence? Or do you think that, you know, this was a kind of a one-off thing and maybe the novelty of it wears off after that? Because I will say a better game on Nickelodeon, like that Brown Steelers game on Nickelodeon, would have been fantastic. There would have been slime everywhere. We really didn't get a whole whole lot of slime with the Bears and the Saints. That game kind of sucked. Yeah, I mean... I would watch... For me, it was more of the novelty than anything. I do imagine if I had kids, which I don't because I'm 12. Um, <laughs> you got to get out of middle school first. <laughs> I think I think that's how it works. Um, but yeah, I think if I had kids, I would, I'd be down to watch it with them. I feel like it's more entertaining for, for kids in general. Um, but then we switched over to, you know, Tony Romo. And he's amazing at what he does. He's and great. That was a more uh, pleasant experience for me, to be honest. Yeah. I would watch again. If I had little kids, I would watch consistently on Nickelodeon. But I would definitely watch. um, I liked the googly eyes they put on people and all the silliness. So, yeah, I would watch again. Maybe not every game or not all the time. But if I happen to if it happened to be on, then, yeah. I do think we need to make the slime zone a permanent fixture across all broadcasts, though, because it did add a little more oomph to the red zone, which normally is just kind of like, yeah, still within 20 yards, like eh, probably going to kick a field yeah. goal here. But once you add the possibility of slime at the end of it, all of a sudden it just makes it a little more appealing. Well, and- all their graphics were better. Like it was easier to follow. I'm not going to lie. Like their graphics were way better than anyone else's. Was anyone yeah. else horrified at seeing SpongeBob's giant face between the goalposts on every field goal, though? <laughs> I don't know about I love SpongeBob, so I was there for it. <laughs> it was a little distracting, to be honest, but yeah, SpongeBob's fun. And then lastly, um, probably the most, well, not the most important topic. We talked about COVID vaccines. Um, that's probably the most important topic. 
But the most important topic in this universe is we have some more clarity now about the Dan Lebetard show, what their future is going to hold. We know that they're going to be partnering up with, uh, with Dan's good friend, Skip again, as Chris Cody likes to call him. And, um, the talent acquisition so far seems to be going pretty well. We know that Amin El Hassan is in this, is in the pirate ship. It looks like Jamel Hill is in discussions to be added to the pirate ship. So with Amazing. this with this band of characters and what we know right now, how are you all feeling about the direction of I don't even want to say the show because it sounds bigger than that now. This uh future media empire, let's say. Well, Pam called the whole Jamel thing, so she's probably the best answer. Um, that I'm gonna say that I'm a witch, and I did call that a Probably was it Thursday or Friday? I said I think it was Friday that I said Jamel would go, um, but that's because I'm a witch. Yeah, but I mean I think they've won all of our loyalty at this point. Where we're all kind of a show, and we love them and feel like we have a connection with them, and we'll follow them wherever they go. And I think they know that. Yeah. So no matter who they bring on, um, I think it'll be fun. Even we're talking to who was that? Uh, Jake Long. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Seemed like they were recruiting right there. I don't even know much about him. So they played football and he seems like, like he's a good time. I'd be happy if he joined the, the crew. But Jamel and Amin, like, yeah, it's cool to see that they have that, that same kind of loyalty, even though Jamel has her own show too. And Amin was on The Jump, which was one of the few ESPN shows outside of Levitar that I actually watched and enjoyed. I'm just curious what this recruitment is going to look like if they're able to actually poach any more people from ESPN. Like I put this out on Twitter today. But the one person I think more than anybody that I would love to see poached from ESPN is Katie Nolan, because I feel like she is in such a bad spot at ESPN right now where they've pulled Ashley Brabant, her best friend and producer on her TV and podcast. Um, She's working with what seems like a skeleton crew. And I know she has been loath to actually be on the Levitard show because she's afraid she's going to foul it up. But it's for that very reason that I want her to overcome that fear and actually jump ship and board the pirate ship. What do you guys think about Katie Nolan jumping on board? And if not her, who would you most want to see join? I would love to see Katie. I think she's great. I think she has a ton to add. Um, They definitely would do good adding at least a couple of female voices, which I think they will. I I don't think that there's going to be any question that they will in time. I just don't know what is going on in the background at ESPN that maybe some people who would think about leaving maybe will be put in a position where they can't. Or, like, I don't know what non-compete clauses look like. I don't know... You know, would ESPN come back and say, well, what if we paid you this much to stay? So I don't know. Yeah, I also think Katie would be great. Um, it sounds like, yeah, they, she's been kind of getting uh, less exposed and like shrunken in terms of her like viewership or how they've been kind of constricting yeah. her on ESPN. Um, and I think she gets a show. She, she's been always great on Highly Questionable. And um, outside of her, I feel like, so I don't think Mina's ever going to be leaving ESPN um, or um, also Diana. I don't think she's going to be leaving either. But yeah. I think there might be a chance for Sarah or Bomani to get poked. And those would be both like, those are two of my favorite kind of uh, friends of the show. Yeah, they would both be great. And I think they're both poachable. 
I don't think either one of them is blind to what goes on at ESPN or the fact that it seems like, um, I don't know, maybe ESPN is not quite as loyal to you as what you think when you go to work there, maybe. And that they, they seem to understand that. Yeah. I mean, Bo also lost his show already with the, yeah. the high noon. So I, I mean, he's just on highly questionable right now. And does he like show up on around the horn or something every once in a while? I don't know, but I feel like, yeah, he's, and he, it, we, we know how, yeah, he almost, uh, you know, started the show with Dan. So I th- they've been in thoughts about it and he can definitely pull his own weight as well. And I think he has a huge following of his own. Oh, I think Sarah. he definitely has a huge following. His fans are very loyal. Does Sarah have her own show? No, she's just on Around the Horn, or the Around the Horn on uh, ESPN. Spain and Fitz on the on ESPN Radio. Yeah, yeah. So she doesn't have TV, but she's on radio for that. Yeah. Um, but still, like, I, I, I don't know. What if Spain and Fitz were on Lebertard's Pirate Ship? That'd be great. I think it could happen. Does Fitz get the show? It's he would be great. Like. He's and he has some of the um, the extra stuff that's not just sports that plays well in the Levitard universe. He has his history in music, and you know he's quirky and he loves Halloween, and I, he would do great. Well, I'm getting a notification that says uh, my Zoom has less than one minute remaining. I don't know if anyone else can see that or not. Um, no, my computer wouldn't boot up, so I'm on my phone. Well, if this if this cuts off, uh, it's been great, everybody. I don't know what exactly is going to happen here. Um, die, but thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, Sorry, we're boring, and um, I I'm not a genius. Kish is, but I'm not. No, you're both geniuses in my book, in my personal record book. You're both geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, I'm super smart. <laughs> A big thanks to Pam and Kish for joining us on tonight's episode. You can find them on Twitter at Kish underscore 13. That's K-I-Z-H. And you can find Pam on Twitter at Halloween Basic. And we will be back with you next week with another great episode. So until then, stay safe and stay well.